Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Thank you for welcoming me to The Greatest Generation today, Adam. (laughs) I welcome you most of all, Ben. How's your day going? That's all right. I've got to thank you for hanging on here. It is extremely late, your time. Uh, We had to push off the recording of this app because I had to have internet people over I was having problems with the internet. Oh, okay. I, I was picturing like um, like people that want to use slurs about your sexual orientation because you put something on the internet. No, I imagine that'll happen to us eventually uh, <laughs> as we put enough episodes of this show out there. Yeah. No, I was having, I was having wonky internets, so we had a guy come out and, uh, and stick a probe in our modem. And uh, <laughs> and it turned out we needed a brand new one. So wow! And it actually involved like drilling into some walls, like uh, like running some cable. It was sort of a thing. But uh, I suffered an indignity. I'm wondering if if you've ever been through it's password indignity. In that uh, it is not a secret in our household that we have. A pretty fun Wi-Fi password that we like to give out to our guests. Fun Wi-Fi password. That's nice. Yeah. So the guy gets the new modem set up, and, and I'm using the interface on my computer <laughs> to to set it up. And one of the options is, uh, you know, use the same settings as you did before. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. That's exactly what I want to do because we have a bunch, a bunch of machines that that connect to this modem. Like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to reset my PlayStation and and all the all the other computer hardware in the house. No way. All so, your i devices and what what have you. It very simply asks me, what is the name of your network and the name of your password? Mm-hmm. Uh, my network is pretty benign, but my password. Is boobs sixty nine sixty nine, which is a password that uh, my wife and I have enjoyed giving to our house guests over the years. <laughs> but when you're in a professional setting, yeah, and you have to transmit that to someone to a guy in a guy, a guy in a Carhartt one yep. one piece, you've described him exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Carhartt guy did not seem to appreciate the humor in it at all. <laughs> it usually goes over so much better than that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, here, so, here's 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 my advice for this this problem, Adam. <laughs> I've I've taken a slightly different path to to the immense satisfaction that comes from having a silly Wi-Fi password, and it is this. <laughs> I made the combination of my network and Wi-Fi password a dad joke so that only I get any amusement out of it and my wife feels shame and embarrassment every time she has somebody (laughs) over that she wants to give the password to because our network is called Dentist Office and our password is 230. Oh, no. Yeah. That's That's the level I've... I've incorporated dad joke into the way I live my life. Well, uh, Carhartt guy might have laughed at that one. 
<laughs> I trust in, that he would have. <laughs> my Carhartt guy just uh, stood in silence. Awkward, <laughs> awkward silence. <laughs> uh, it's really beautiful, the picture. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Let's go ahead and begin Season 2, Episode 15, Pen Pals. And before we begin, I think I need to uh, use some podcast fluid. (laughs) Why do you have podcast fluid and not me? I don't know, man. This is one of those episodes. (laughs) Gonna need a lot of fluid. (laughs) Uh, Thank the maker. This is an episode that starts with the Enterprise entering a new sector that is unexplored by uh, the Federation. Is it the Drama sector? Am I remembering that correctly? Sure is. Yeah. Gotta love that Drama sector. A lot, of, a lot of crazy geological shit going on with all the planets in this sector. Um, yeah, a lot of red marbles in this one. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I don't really understand what a sector is, Adam. Do you? No, not at all. I'm the wrong person to ask. So I know what a quadrant is. Quadrant is like one-fourth of the galaxy. And I know what a system is. That's like a series of objects orbiting a star or pair of stars. Well put, both times. But a sector is like, they talk about sectors all the time in this show. I don't know what a sector is. A sector's got to be pretty big because later on in the episode, they, they jump forward in time, like six weeks. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. Really, they're really putting the scans down on this sector. They're charting the shit out of it. Yeah. So, I guess it's just like one of the many techno babbles that, uh, that we use in this show that it can, it can kind of stretch to fit whatever the plot needs, needs it to, to, to be. It's a Kessel Run and Parsec argument. Like, <laughs> so, and um, before you send us an 800-word email about this, just fucking save it, all right? <laughs> I don't know, and I don't want to know. Don't Jordan and Jesse of Jordan Jesse Go have people send their corrections to Ted Cruz or something? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, he would love that. Yeah. Send, send your corrections wrapped around a can of soup to Ted Cruz. <laughs> Yeah, he loves soup. Um, this is an episode that really messes with your expectations because you see Nikki Cox in the credits and you think you're getting one thing. <laughs> and brother, you are not. Yeah. Well, it starts with Picard wanting to go on a on a horse ride, right? This is the most entendre-filled episode oh, yeah. we've seen yet. Some creatures have the capacity to fill spaces never knew were empty i couldn't concentrate the way i write my notes for the show is i always my first note is always like what is happening in the show when it starts yeah my second note so much schlocky innuendo (laughs) (laughs) and and i was looking at that and i was like what was i talking about oh yeah all that horse stuff that was going on computer program the holodeck for a woodland setting with a bridle path and an appropriate So they they get into this sector, and they've got some busy work to do, and they decide this might be a a career growth opportunity for Wes. The boy. And so the senior staff uh, assembles, and they're like, well, can the guy take it? Can he take it real hard? We'll need a fine edge that won't dull at the first touch of resistance. At some point, Picard 
talks about the possibility that there might be too much weight on a young back. I don't want it to break under pressure. Like, holy mackerel. <laughs> and Riker's like, the game isn't big enough unless it scares you a little. Well, what are we doing out here with this kid if we aren't if we if we aren't trying to like grow him and make him stronger? Like we should really <laughs> test his limits like after a few minutes you start to wonder what they're talking about and if you've listened to this show for any length of time you lose the thread entirely it's the only thing you can think of we've ruined the show we've ruined this episode in particular yeah i think this may be the episode in which all of our wesley sex puns have have really paid off What the show ostensibly claims they're talking about, though, is Wesley heading up the team that's doing the geological surveys of all the planets in this sector. The challenge is given to to Wesley that he uh, will be assembling a team, and they will be he'll be leading this team as they as they run all the geological surveys. And this is kind of our first below decks characters. Like these mm-hmm. are these are people that work and do science and live on the Enterprise, but are not main cast characters. So Wesley is like, is all geeked out about going around and selecting them. And he's worried about, oh, like, what if they have interpersonal conflicts? How can I solve that? I'm just a boy. And Yeah, I mean, he's initially concerned about assembling the right team. And then secondarily, he's concerned about like, well, how do I lead a team when I'm a kid and everyone else is is both an older and outrank me well i think he's 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 an acting ensign so i guess technically has all the rights and responsibilities of an ensign which i think the people on the team all are unless i'm mistaken but i think at at least most of them are ensigns but they've actually like gone to the academy like they're you know probably in their mid-20s whereas he's in they've all been hazed yes and uh and 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 they know how to big dog. They've gone through big dogging 101 through 301 at Starfleet Academy. So when when Wesley shows up and tries to like ask them to run an icogram or whatever, they they know what to do. Well, Wes, there's being thorough and then there's wasting time. Yeah, they know what to do. They just don't want to do it. Yeah. So that's 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 plot B, but it is sort of set up as going it's going to be plot A. Uh meanwhile, uh, data is dicking around with the computer and we're introduced to this in a very funny shot that kind of like tracks along the floor of the bridge which has got a bunch of like computer chips and scanning equipment and gigaws and whatnot scattered all over it anytime you've got isolinear chips on the floor shit's about to go down yeah well <laughs> Yeah, and and you're hoping it's going to pan up and Jim Shimoda's going to be sitting there, you know. Nurse, I know, it's kind of a nice callback. Nursing a buzz. Yeah. Uh, and Sitting Indian style on the ground. Right. Rather, it is uh, our friend Lieutenant Commander Data, the uh, second officer of the Enterprise, and uh, he's he's goofing on the computer and Worf like, almost trips over one of the circuit boards that he has out and... If he was wearing official Klingon boots, he would have just stomped the shit out of that, right? <laughs> yeah. Those boots do not fuck around. No. They got big, uh, they got big toe spikes. Yeah. And uh, this is an interesting scene because Worf gets kind of mouthy with Data. He's like, 
He's like, when are you going to clean your shit up? What the fuck are you up to? And, uh, and data explains like, Oh, I'm like testing the, I'm testing our scanners to scan for things that we don't normally scan for. And, you know, then Worf is kind of interested. He's like, like, what about enemies? What about people we could go to war with potentially? Could you scan for that? And <laughs> Ted is like, yep, we could even scan for that. What about people who could kill me? I so want to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Worf is a committed member of, of the Klingon death cult. Yeah, no kidding. Sounds like a pretty good idea he's hatched. Like, right. he wants to make the sensors more powerful, boosting the range... Much like those satellite dishes that are uh, that are shooting out into the cosmos trying to pick up alien transmissions, right? Yeah, exactly. It's sort of that kind of project. Yeah. Data is running a little, uh, a little SETI type of deal. And that's sort of like the setup for, for this storyline. And then it kind of, it, like, they just kind of leave it at that. And then it's a lot of, like, Wesley following people around in hallways, asking them questions about how to be a good leader. Can I walk with you? I need a little advice. And, like, you know, he'll, like, tag along with Riker and Troy for a while. I need your advice. This has more hallway than almost any episode that we've seen so far. <laughs> I feel like they just, like, built a bunch of new hallway sets, and they're like, hey, like, uh, we finally finished all the hallways, so if you guys could write some hallway shit into the, <laughs> into the, uh, into the next script, that would kind of, like, help us justify this uh, as a line item. I do want to talk about how this episode looks production-wise, mm-hmm. because while there are a ton of hallways and we do get a new setting, which is the setting where they're doing the, the geology, yes. there's sort of a geology lab there that looks pretty cool. It's got a ton of uh, glass cylinders. It's darkly lit. I feel like anytime we see a science lab in the ship, it's like a one-off set that looks great. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great job. They also... I believe for the first time since the episode with the Edo, they went outside and they did a field trip because mm-hmm. the scenes where Picard's riding the horse uh, yes. just are very bright and verdant and and great looking. Yeah. Well, not to get too mission log with this, but uh, <laughs> the, the, I mean, this, I think this is good trivia to know. The, uh, the director of this episode also did Darmok in the series finale. He's kind of a he's kind of a all around guy. He did a ton of Star Trek. That's a heavy hitter right there. Yeah, and I think you see some really interesting compositions here, too. Like, he shoots through stuff a lot, like foreground objects, background people. And he also, like, broke the 180 a lot, which was the first time I saw it was really jarring because that Mm -hmm. was a move that I don't think has been done on this show up until now. Yeah, and just like uh, if if you don't know, like the rule of 180 degrees is the camera typically stays sort of on one side of a scene. Like if you're in an audience at a play, like you obviously see like everything that you're sitting facing towards, but you never see it from reverse. And in like typically, like you if if you cut and a, and you've crossed the 180 line you know, the characters will be on opposite sides of the camera and it can be kind of jarring and it it can be used to good effect. And I think it is used to good effect in this episode, but, you know, in the wrong hands is, is, uh, often a mistake. Yeah, exactly. And it, initially it looked like a mistake to me, but it, 
clearly he wasn't. I mean, the guy's a pro. No one cares about this. Let's move on. <laughs> some people, uh, some people tweet us and say they like when I when we go all film school on yeah, their some on their ass. Some people crave production. <laughs> well, so anyways, um, the tease about Data's project is that oh, he's uh, he's upping the reception of the radio on the ship. Uh, what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, at a certain point, he walks into the captain's office and, and says that for the last eight weeks, he's been on internet relay chat with a <laughs> a young girl on one of the planets in the uh, Drama sector. And this is, uh, this is how we are introduced to this episode of To Catch a Predator, Data Edition. <laughs> I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC, and we're doing a story on computer predators. Data's like, uh, I'm going to bring some Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop at the Pizza Hut on my way. Uh, uh, this is like a real record scratch moment for Picard. He's like, you've been doing what? On whose ship? You need to fucking stop that shit, because this is my house. Yeah, and it's almost like he goes beyond angry. He just cannot comprehend how Data has done this. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? And yeah. Data sort of pulls a Mordock about it, too. Like, he's been doing a thing for a long time and hasn't told the captain about it. Yeah, and, and so Data's justification here is, like, I uh, have not been, you know, I've been vague about, like, who I am or where I'm broadcasting from. Like, like this girl has been telling me a lot of stuff, but I've been kind of keeping personal stuff light and, you know, her people are not aware of the fact that they are not alone in the universe. So I've been uh, glossing over that fact. Um, <laughs> She's been doing a lot of you up and he's been doing a lot of new number who dis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty I much. I mean, to put it in modern terms that the kids can understand, that's basically what's happening here. Yeah. My love is a pizza longing tail for that which longer necessity. And this this becomes may, maybe the the biggest prime directive episode yet. Like there's a big scene where like all of the bridge officers are basically sitting around debating the prime directive and like where and if it applies here you can tell it's an important meeting because there's muffins <laughs> yeah did you notice the there's sort of like a buffet spread yeah. in yeah. Uh, Picard's quarters i mean it's like when the c-suite at a at a small to mid-sized company gets together you know they have it catered and then when when they're done they put the food out in the lunchroom for everybody yeah picard's like uh you're invited to a meeting in my quarters, continental <laughs> breakfast will be provided. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple times where like Jordy is trying to make like an impactful point that is really undercut by the fact that he's pouring himself an extra <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> and Pulaski is trying to get a word in edgewise, but she's. Uh, I mean, the muffin is so dry. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, it's really difficult to get out. <laughs> um. This might be a good opportunity to talk about the Prime Directive as a thing. Sure. I disagree with it. Just uh, as a rule? Yeah. Hmm. I think that that the Federation is 
a moral entity that is um, founded on objectively like good principles. And I think that it is crazy that they would be willing to stand idly by as a intelligent species was wiped out of existence because of a preventable ecological catastrophe or a war or something like that. That's just my personal feeling on the prime directive. I disagree with it. I, I mean, I, I think that's a totally sound reason. Um, my take on it is a little different. Like I, I, I think, I think it's a great starting point for a lot of things. Like, like if your resting space is the prime directive, I think that's a good spot to be. I sort of feel like it is more about efficiency than it is about anything else. Because if you don't have the prime directive, you are stopping at every single fucking planet and trying to fix it. (laughs) And you're never going to go out exploring if you do that. Like, this way it gives every ship an excuse to just fuck off. Like, Like, get out there, get out as far as you can, and go exploring. And if you don't have the prime directive... Everyone's gonna feel obligated to stop and stay and fix. And I don't think you can be an efficient spacefaring explorational organization without that. Yeah. I just think that like when you encounter gross injustice, like it's it is a totally convenient way to to you know, like I mean they kind of talk about it in this scene, like oh, this is, like, here to protect us from having to feel obligated to do anything. But that's, that's like, the opposite of what's actually moral. Like, they should feel like they're obligated to do something because there's a planet, and we should say, like, Data has been communicating with this girl that's on this planet that is, like, about to collapse because of some, like, dilithium blah, 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 blah. And... Uh, like her whole species is going to be wiped out and they're like a bunch of you know pampered idiots sitting in a room eating muffins and drinking tea or gray hot talking about whether they should lift a finger to do anything about this fucking horrible moral catastrophe yeah there's nothing more godlike than this conversation that they're having yeah and and I think that a lot of good points are made on both sides but I personally really fall on the side of the Federation with all of its advanced technology and all of its like moral advancement should be a more explicitly interventionist organization. I think that they should be spreading the, uh, the principles of freedom, democracy and post scarcity as far as they can. That's my personal opinion. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. 
And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. At the end of this meeting, Data, for someone who doesn't feel emotions... Uh, pulls like the most manipulative move, emotionally manipulative move anyone could possibly do and basically plays like the Sarah McLaughlin pet adoption commercial <laughs> for the rest of the senior staff because Picard's like, all right, Data, kill the feed. And Data's like, whoops, and he turns on the radio transmission and there she is. Data, Data, where are you? Why would you answer? And everyone, like, basically, like, they can't eat anymore at that point. Yeah, yeah. When Pulas- confronted Pulaski with the reality. Lets, lets a muffin just fall from her <laughs> mouth onto the carpet. 
Yeah, it, it tumbles in slow motion like the mug at the end of The Usual Suspects. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on from this scene, we should talk about the fact that the doctor almost had her head ripped off in this scene. Um, because she she deigns to call Worf a coward at one point when they're debating their differences of opinion on this prime directive shit and the captain basically like tosses himself on the grenade he's like whoa, 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 whoa. okay let's move on let's, let's cool cool our jets here like this is sort of a great pulaski episode i thought yeah like, she had that scene she had some great points in the room she was also super matronly with wes when he was running around the ship trying to get advice about being a leader like yeah. Good good Pulaski times. Look, I understand all the Pulaski hate. I, I started from a point of Pulaski hate. I'm coming around. I like she's, her. She's starting to win us over. Yeah. Bef- and uh, before we get off of the Wesley side of this episode, I, I do want to call Wesley out for being a pretty cool guy. At one point, he comes and asks like Riker for some advice about uh, Ensign Davies, the guy that tries to big dog him. And... Uh, and He's like asking for advice on how to deal with a situation where somebody basically defied what he asked him to do, but he doesn't talk shit about Davies. He doesn't like really throw him under the bus with the right. first officer. Like it was cool of him. Like he he like you know, I feel like there's there's a lot of temptation when you're going over somebody's head to talk shit in a workplace environment, and uh, it's not always a good look. And uh, I think Wesley did a did a did a fine job uh, avoiding that temptation in this episode. And he winds up like kind of uh, coming up with the scheme to fix the planet, which uh, which Picard eventually grudgingly decides that they're going to do. I was really surprised at how here we are over halfway through season two. And like I'm recognizing the things that I liked about Wesley as a child like things that I don't know like when you're a kid you see Wes as the youngest one on the ship and you're like yeah I want to be that kid like mm-hmm. like that's awesome like that's aspirational but as an adult watching the show this was the first time that I saw something that Wesley did that made me think that like uh he was admirable in a contemporary sense totally. like a lot of the issues that he's going through in this episode are ones that I that I go through almost every day like as a video producer and director, like I am often the youngest person on a crew. I am mm-hmm. so often working with lifers on a set. Right. And the issues that he comes up against about like the the discomfort of of being a leader in those situations and like what and, and like how do you think that you're right when these people are so much more experienced than you or older than you? Like sure. I totally get that, dude. I get it. And he gets good advice from people also. Like, it it all rang true to me in a way that, you know, as a kid, I, was, I wasn't sophisticated enough to get, but um, as an adult, I do. One of the r- really unsung, wonderful things about this show is uh, how well it depicts a well-functioning hierarchy. Yeah. Like, people, like, and, the, and, they, and they explore why it functions well and and like come up with completely compelling ideas about like how you can be a good boss that isn't a dickhead that 
you know, commands the respect of the people working under you. Like that's a, like what other show ever does that? Like the, like the top guy is always like haunted and, 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 and fucked up in, yeah. in every show. And like, yeah. and like, you know, like Picard, you can't have anything but respect for. And, and everybody that works under him is also working under somebody else that is also like somebody that you can invest a lot of respect in. For the leadership figures on the show to not be profoundly flawed and also to remain interesting, I don't, I don't know how you do that in today's television. Yeah, you can't. You can't sell that to a network executive. Yeah, where's the conflict? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, like I thought that just really rang true as a production person. Uh, a production person who personally, like the way I get through times like that is always like making the job the boss. Yeah. Like we're all here to do the thing. The thing is the boss. I am its mouthpiece, but that's it. Right. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. There's there's some funny stuff where Picard uh indicates on on his body how deep in shit they are to Riker. Uh these scenes. Yeah. several several times. Uh but but the plan is this. They're going to use some probes to stabilize the fucked up geological shit going on in the planet meanwhile data is going to beam down to the planet to save his his radio pen pal sarjenka from the horrible dianetics looking destruction that is befalling her planet and oh man and so data beams down to her family house and out walks chris hansen and he says, "Sit down, Data." And uh, why don't you have a seat right there? Data says, uh, "I don't think I want to." And he says, "Listen, the Fresno Police Department is outside, <laughs> uh, but I think you and I should have a quick chat before you go into their custody." So, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> why are you wearing a towel? <laughs> Did you Where say, do you even get Mike's Hard Lemonade? Yeah. And you and you drove 28 hours from Minneapolis to be here tonight? Um, I don't know. She seemed nice. <laughs> uh, and with that, I have alienated an entire state from our listenership. Yeah. <laughs> With that one pronunciation of the word no. Eventually we'll be left with nothing. <laughs> uh, but they save the planet. It goes great. Uh, they do wind up having to beam Sarjenka up to the Enterprise because shit's getting too real in the area where her house is. Oh, man. And Picard goes so apeshit when Data brings her onto the bridge. Yeah, he is man. acting like someone who has accidentally been within a no-contact perimeter. He's brought a child onto my ship and on my bridge. He he basically loses it in the same way as when Wesley first starts sneaking onto the bridge. And and eventually like they, they end up deciding that Sarjenka's brain is going to have to be wiped of her memories of even talking to data on the radio like like they they go surgical with this shit they're like gonna they're gonna save her planet but they can't have her knowing 
how that happened. It's Even, pretty amazing they've had men in black technology on the ship the whole time, and this is the first time we're seeing it. Right. Like, you, like she is a totally alien species to them. So, like, Pulaski's like, you know, like, if her brain's anything like ours, I'll have to, like, isolate certain, like, memory engrams by doing certain chemical uh, who's he what's it's to them. Totally lucks out. Her brain is just like ours. and uh, <laughs> You don't say. She speaks perfect English. Her brain's just like ours. <laughs> she's got a Tina Turner glitter wig. Yeah, she's a, she's got a real look, Sarjenka. It is a look that is not at all like the Nikki Cox that you would know later in shows <laughs> like Las Vegas. Yeah, it's more like a look that would show up at like the 2019 Eurovision Song Awards. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but, Welcome uh, to the stage, Sarjenka from <laughs> Poland. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right, right down to the extra long ring and pinky finger, like yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Got weird hands. Yeah. So they uh, they send her back to her planet, and um, I think she's like asleep, and Data like drops her off, and. Uh, he leaves with her this weird rock that Dr. Pulaski gave to her. That's, uh, I think it's called a singing stone. It sings a different song for each person. So she's going to have a little token of this memory that she won't have. Um, but, you know, they're at great pains to not ruin her life with kind of this, you know, like I, you can imagine being like a nine-year-old and, Growing up and being like, yeah, like our planet was saved by uh, interstellar aliens that uh, didn't want uh, didn't want anybody to know about them. <laughs> you know, like I think the only person that we know that could could go through life knowing something like that and stay more or less stable to who they are is John Roderick. Sure. All I could think about was if I were. If I were a nine-year-old and I woke up and there was a weird rock in my room, mm -hmm. uh, I'd probably just throw it into the active volcano that was right outside my window. Like, <laughs> there would be no reason for me to hold on to it. And so the idea that he would give her something to remember him by, quote-unquote remember him by, is, uh, I don't know, he's doing that for him, and if he doesn't have feelings, why is he doing it? Fair enough. I just totally took the heart out of that scene. <laughs> I, I, I totally ruined Christmas on the end of this episode. <laughs> sorry. That's what you're here for, Adam. I'm sorry. That was hardly two scoops of sunshine. I liked this episode, though. How about you? Sort of the running bit that isn't a bit on this show is, is you asking me what I remember about an upcoming episode and me saying I don't really remember. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I remember a little bit of it. And this episode I remembered none of. And, that, and it really made it great because it read as new to me the entire time. It was a new one on you. It was like seeing a brand new episode, and that was fun. That's I think, cool. I think that was the best part of it for me. I, I, I liked it fine. This was just uh, this was an all right episode. Did you know that uh, Ensign Hildebrandt was, was the female counterpart to uh, Wesley's lab scene? Did she look familiar to you? Uh, she was like the kind of curly blonde hair lady. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she didn't look familiar to me, no. Did you, at any point in your life, watch Beverly Hills 90210? I did not. Uh, I think my wife was a big fan of that program. Here's what you need to do. 
you need to talk to your wife and tell her that Anne Gillespie was on this episode. TV's Jackie Taylor from 90210, Kelly Taylor's mom, and <laughs> P.S. Adam wants to do a 90210 podcast <laughs> with her as soon as she's ready to start. Okay, I'll uh, I will pass that along. Um, I'll have to come up with a TV show that your wife watched that you didn't. That I am also interested in doing a podcast, and I guess we'll do some sort of podcast key party that sounds great i mean i gotta tell you and this is no joke uh 90210 is probably the show that i know as much as i know next generation (laughs) i watched that show obsessively and it was on what about dawson's creek it was on syndication all the time yeah oh yeah dawson's creek too i I would do a dawson's creek show i watched every episode of both of those dozens of times wow Big fan. <laughs> hey, Ben. Yes. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda in this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Uh, I did. Um, I feel like it's a little bit of a cop out. I couldn't. I couldn't come up with one in watching the episode because I was sort of like too wrapped up in being worried for Sarjenka and hating sure. the Prime Directive. Yeah. But uh, in in going back over it with you, I realize that my drunk Shimoda has to be Worf because he really gets like lippy with Data. Yeah, Data is like three guys over Worf. Like Worf is in no place to get lippy with the fucking second officer of the ship. Data's and, never gonna get butt hurt about that though. No, but like, but like Worf is pissed that Data has all his toys strewn around on the bridge and like. Have you ever stepped on a Lego? That's basically what he does. Yeah. And he's in one of those, like, light gossamery Starfleet boots. He's not in a big, tough, burly, Lego-proof Klingon boot. Yeah, it's true. So. Shit hurts. Worf Worf gets the Drunk Shimoda uh, for me. And we should say, since we haven't in a while, that Drunk Shimoda is our award for a character uh, displaying characteristics of being drunk hilarious uh not making a lot of sense or just being uh all out great uh much like jim shimoda our favorite character from episode two of the series our favorite uh my shimoda nomination for this episode goes to sarjanka's parents (laughs) yeah where'd they go what's up with your daughter just talking to space people for six weeks six months how much yeah. time had passed? Yeah. On that, like, Pee Wee Herman computer that she had? Come on, Mom and Dad. Like, I think you need to... I mean, I'm not advocating for them to be just all over her about who she talks to. But, I mean, she was carrying on a relationship with someone much older than her. Yeah. And then sort of invited him over? <laughs> like, set, set some healthy limits with your children and how they use the internet. Absolutely. Uh, that is what I'm advocating. And for that reason, uh, Sarjenka's parents are my drunk Shimoda. I am the cutest of all. Lock faces on that vessel. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. What are we watching for the next episode? The next episode is season two, episode 16. Q who? 
The crew is hurtled into the future by the malevolent Q, who sets them up for destruction by a race of half-human, half-robot aliens known as the Borgs. He's a Borg. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much wrong with that synopsis that was copy and pasted from the Amazon Prime episode description. Yeah, they pluralized the Borgs. Uh, and they, I, I also don't think anybody ever gets hurtled into the future in that episode. Hmm. I think they just get hurtled into like the Delta Quadrant or whatever. Is the malevolent Q his full name? Because I feel like that's all that's all he's <laughs> described as in any episode capsule. Yeah, we like download the uh, the short and long synopses of these po- of these episodes for every podcast, and like the fucking like you will. You thought that there were serious Star Trek nerds out there patrolling the internet for this shit. There are not. Like, all of these things have tons of fucking uh, uh, inconsistencies with what actually happens in the actual episodes. Like, like Wikipedia is full of fucking problems. Yeah. Like, I don't... Like, I'm not going to fucking read Wikipedia about, about like, uh, Franklin Roosevelt after this. You know what I'm seeing on Wikipedia a lot is... is- other shows reviewing the episodes, and I'm excited to see some pull quotes from us. That is when Wikipedia really starts to get good, is when our listeners start going back through some of these episodes and dropping in one-liners that we had about the episodes as the uh, re- in the reception sections. Because every single episode of TNG has a Wikipedia entry. You know, like... When we got more than 30 listeners an episode, you asked me, have we made it? I said, said, no. When we joined a network, you asked me, Adam, certainly we've made it now, haven't we? I said, no. When we sold our first ad and started doing ad reads, you were like, Adam. Surely we have arrived. And I was like, no, no. You know when we've arrived? When people start editing Wikipedia entries... (laughs) To include our descriptions, that will be the day, Ben, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, so so your two action items, your standing action items are tweet at Star Trek Room and get us jobs as writers on the new Star Trek series and go to Wikipedia, find your favorite episode that we've already reviewed, put in a quote from Adam or me or both of us, uh, um, you know, in the re- in the reception section so that people know that we're out here cracking wise about your favorite show. Yeah, send us a screen grab of that, because there's no way that's going to last. <laughs> God, we give our listeners so much to do. Sorry, I, guys. I love them. Mm-hmm. They're the best. Just to gloss over this part, I'm not going to veto. This is a foundational episode. we got to watch this. Yeah, as much as I hate watching Q episodes, I don't think we can skip the reveal of the Borg. How do you hate Q? I don't hate Q's Q. I just hate, I hate Q episodes. I don't oh, like I, I don't like supernatural bullshit. I like Q episodes. If oh, I man. wanted supernatural bullshit, I would watch like uh, Game of Thrones or whatever. Oh, you don't, don't like supernatural shows, but uh, I know for a fact you like Charmed. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a single moment of it. Oh man, I watch Charmed as much as I watch Dawson's Creek. Uh, if you ever want to. Reach out and talk to us. Twitter is probably the best place to do it, but there's so many places, Ben. So many. You can use the hashtag greatestgen on Twitter, 
And you can find Ben and I there. Uh, ben is at Benjamin R A H R, and I'm at Cup for Time. Uh, you can go to Reddit.com, and there are two Reddits that you can uh, find us on. There's yeah, there's the a there's maximum, a good good news and bad news Reddits. Yeah, there's the Maximum Fun subreddit, and then there's the Greatest Gen Reddit, and uh, we're also on Facebook at Facebook group Greatest Generation. Um, both the both the Greatest Gen subreddit and the Greatest Generation Facebook group were made by listeners, and we really appreciate that. Um, we should say Maximum Fun is our network. You can go to maximumfun.org slash donate if you'd like to support our show. Uh, we really appreciate all of the folks that have been tweeting at us that they've uh, changed their donation scheme to include us, or especially people who have upgraded their donation scheme because maximum fun keeps adding cool shows like ours and uh you know check out check out all the other shows on max fun you got your my brother my brother and me's you've got your schmanners you've got your trends like these you've got your Sawbones, uh and there's also podcasts that mcelroy brothers are not involved with which are also great <laughs> it's true it's true i think my favorite podcast ever is jordan jesse go yeah, I, that's that's my I love that show. That's my tip top. Yep. I posted on uh I posted on Twitter when Jordan Jesse Go played the promo for our show that uh it felt like the scene in that thing you do when they hear their their song on the radio and they're like running around their little like their Great little hometown. Reference. Like I I I was like at work and I just wanted to like run up and down the fucking open office space screaming my head off. That is how you know you've made it, Ben. Mm-hmm. We've arrived. Yep. We'll be back at you next time with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and also this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.